Wow, that's a full house. Look at this. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Grace, Grace and Truth Church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, motivating us all to come out to attend church tonight on a Tuesday evening. Uh, because we love your word and uh, we thank you for it and bless it as it goes forth and uh, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart that understands and may we keep something from it may it be a help thank you for all these things I ask in Jesus name amen okay so tonight to start uh, we'll look to Christ who is the word of God the true light to expose uh, the folly of philosophy the shortcomings of science, the unreliability of riches, and the errors of immorality, impurity, and idolatry, along with anything else that attempts to tempt away from the singleness and sincerity and the simplicity that is in Christ. Just as we've been studying in Romans 5, that scene in the garden, uh, Paul also speaks of it in 2 Corinthians 11.3. He says, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So we should consider this. We should, should, should uh, consider him, his singleness, not being lukewarm in our familiarity with him. Because that would make us ripe for the picking to be blown off course. The Word of God is our protection from deception, so we should be paying much closer attention, just as it says in Hebrews 2.1, for this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. That's always the danger, is drifting away from what's been written. Uh, Hebrews 1.1 says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portion, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory and exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, King James says all by himself, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. So you see, just the simplicity, sincerity, singleness of Christ. Romans 3.21, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So what this is saying, it's saying that the entire Old Testament speaks of him. Uh, now apart from any law, the righteousness of God has been established, made apparent, being attested to, confirmed, affirmed, and presented by the entirety of the Old Testament, the law, and the prophets. 3.22 goes on to say, Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all those who believe, for there is no distinction. In Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. So it's in him, in him, in him, 
He is the storehouse that contains our deepest and most basic needs. He is our stability, sanity, our sobriety. So let's turn to Colossians 2, and we'll review this passage. And it's often reviewed, but it's a safeguard for us, for all of us, and it's our protection from deception. Colossians 2, 1, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face. So we're not unfamiliar with Paul's struggles. He just spoke of them in Colossians 1, 24, where he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, and filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. For which I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the word of God. And another passage, he even mentions fighting with wild beasts while in Ephesus. But anyway, thank God that he did, because this is who the majority of the New Testament came through. So we give thanks for that. And addressed here in our verse, along with those who are at Laodicea, are all those who have not personally seen his face. He goes on to say in verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, uh, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. He's saying, in order that the hearts of their hearts may be able to be called near, encouraged, openly invited, while being knit together, bound together, united by God's agape love, the love of Christ, which holds us together. Uh, in First Corinthians five fourteen, or Second Corinthians five fourteen, and now the result of this, unto all the outrageous riches of putting it all together, unto a full and true knowledge of the mystery of God, Christ. So it holds this mark of verification. common confession great is the mystery of godliness he was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit seen by angels proclaimed among the nations believed on in the world taken up in glory it also says in 1 Timothy 2 4 that he he who desires all men to be saved and after that to come to the full knowledge of the truth and by that accrue massive gains great profit, outrageous and unrivaled riches of knowing God's mystery, Christ. We need not look any further, because as it says in our next verse, 2, 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in Christ is the complete treasury of wisdom and knowledge. Not so much hidden as much as He is where it's all placed. He's the exact location. He is the storehouse of all true wisdom and knowledge. So if you're looking anywhere else, it will be hidden from you. You won't be able to find them. But by looking, gazing intently, and considering him, they'll be drawn out. He will reveal himself. 
as it says in Matthew 11:27, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except for the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal. Proverbs 2:6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield of those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Stored up in him is the sound, sanity-inducing wisdom. And here are true riches because you could have it all, but if you're nuts, it's not worth anything to you. Being a double-minded man, being unstable in all your ways, but Christ is the healing balm that makes one well keeps one on an even keel even in this mixed up muddled up shook up world psalm thirty-seven nineteen says they will not be ashamed in the time of evil and in days of famine they will have abundance you know you don't have to say anything about it all you got to do is look it's a pretty nutty place out there but keep the word stick close stay hid and you won't even be ashamed in the time of evil when it's running wild, and in the days of famine, we'll have an abundance. Because he is the storehouse. He's the treasury. It says, Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. It's like it says in First John 1.4, these things are written so that our joy may be made full, full to overflowing. Paul goes on to say in 2.4 that he says this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. So these things are said for our joy to be made full and also for our protection. Paul says this so that you wouldn't waste your time by looking anywhere or to anybody else. It's also a safeguard against anybody or anything else being able to deceive you, to misreckon you by enticing you with convincing words, persuasive, and even plausible language. But these things are written in the Word of God to protect us and to train us and to have our minds whipped into shape to discern good and evil. Like it says in Hebrews 5.14, and... For destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, or to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's Second Corinthians ten five, Colossians two five. It says, "For even though I'm absent in body, nevertheless I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ." So he's able to rejoice even while absent because he knows the powerful effect and the lasting results, the order that uh, and the stabilizing, sobering, insanity-inducing effect of that towards Christ faith that he preaches. Just like he says in Romans 16:25, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past. So he knows he is able to establish, keep upright, turn you resolute in one direction, according to his gospel, 
the proclaiming of Jesus Christ. Even able to enable us to act like men, commanding us to be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, and act like men, and be strong. Also commanded to make entreaties, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings on behalf of all men for our leaders. Pray for them and not curse them, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So we should, so we would be able to dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness, and to be mentally tough, which in the example of Christ is nothing more than being spiritually minded. Hebrews five eight. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered, and he handled it well. Five seven and eight of Hebrews, and First John two six. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. He, being the cornerstone, and the cornerstone being the first stone set in the construction of a foundation. And all the other stones are set in a reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. A cornerstone marks the geographical location by orienting a building in a specific direction. Ephesians 2.20, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing to a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So continuing on, verse 6, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Therefore, just as you received near the Christ, Jesus the Lord, in him we are to walk near. We are to walk around in him, filled with the word about him, our conversation, our lifestyle, marked with this towards Christ's faith. Having faith in his faithfulness, we are to walk around that way, conducting our lives awake and alert and aware that he is faithful and completely trustworthy, and knowing that everything needed to be done, he has already performed it. Having been firmly rooted, verse 7, and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. So having firm roots in him. That's our present state due to, to a completed action in the past. And now being built up in him, from the cornerstone, being established again, stabilized by faith, just as we were taught, faith to faith. Faith in his faithfulness, our hearts and minds, stabilized by grace, resulting in the overflow of gratitude. It's good for the heart to be stabilized, established in grace. Hebrews 13.9 Colossians 2.8 See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Again, this is for our protection, and we're to see to it with our eyes wide open, awake and alert. See to it that we would not be captured and taken POW, stolen away, taken captive through the philosophy and empty, vain delusions handed down from men, whether it be worthless worldly wisdom or the hand-me-down religions of tradition or perhaps even the completely insane and perverse private interpretation of the scriptures that start cults 
having men as their leaders, but the Lord himself is our shepherd, and we have no one. We lack nothing. But some men, being seduced off course by the vain emissions and transmissions of men, because they didn't test the spirits with the word of God to see if they're really from God, they're daydreamers that capture men and hold them captive, whether it be by supposed wisdom, religion, or scientific theories, according to the elementary building blocks of the world, instead of according to Christ, who holds all things together by the word of his power. So no one need look any further, because 2.9, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Because in him, the storehouse, the treasury, dwells all the fullness of the triune Godhead bodily. He's the complete fullness of deity. And knowing this greatly increases our joy by finding the word about him and it becomes the joy and rejoicing of our hearts, resolving in unfathomable fortunes, encouraging our hearts, being knit together in love and endowed with all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding him and who he is. He's the mystery of godliness, the fullness of deity revealed in the flesh. 1 Timothy 6, 3 and 4 says, If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he's conceited and understands nothing. Even though professing to be wise, they became fools instead, speculating, and their foolish hearts suffer a blackout, exchanging the truth of God for a lie, the truth about God for a lie, and they end up worshiping and serving the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They lift up the wrong one. They're proud practitioners of idolatry. So now let's quickly turn to 1 Timothy 6 to see them again as well as a word for the rich so that they wouldn't commit the same error of lifting up the wrong one. Idolatry, albeit a different variety, but still the same. Starting in verse 17, near the end of the letter, 1 Timothy 6, 17 says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. This is to those being rich in the now age, merely at this present time. Contrast that with the one blessed unto the eternal age. It says, this is the message transmitted to them. Do not be arrogant and high-minded just because you have a little money, nor trust in it, or expect in it, or confide or hope in it. Or hope in the uncertainty of riches, but instead trust, expect, hope, and confide in the very certain God, the one richly supplying you with all things to enjoy. To enjoy, yes, even to enjoy all those inbound things that God has blessed us with. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. We give thanks for these gifts, and it creates praise towards the Giver. Goes on to say, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, 
storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Instructs them to find the treasury, the storehouse, to amass and treasure away a good foundation towards the future, in order to seize and take hold of with a firm grip that which is truly life. John 17:3 plainly states that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That being something to boast about, understanding and knowing the Lord, as it says in Jeremiah 9.24. This passage continues on to finish up First Timothy by saying, O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments, what is falsely called knowledge. O Timothy, keep keep isolated, unmixed, the word that has been deposited to you turning away from and avoiding the fruitless, good-for-nothing, vain babblings and those opposing theories of men claiming to be true scientific knowledge, but it's false because any science lose out the existence and activity of God is sorely lacking and fatally flawed and nothing more than dishonest at its core. Nothing even needs to be said. Psalm 19.1 The heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. So First Timothy concludes by saying that some have professed this against God, and it didn't fare well for them. They ended up deviating from the truth, wandering off course into that pathless waste. Proverbs 3.32 says, For the devious are an abomination to the Lord, but he is intimate with the upright. The letter concludes by saying, Grace be with you. And yes, that's our great need. The word of his grace for protection. So let's move now to Ephesians 5 to move from here and get into the light. Turn to Ephesians 5. We'll start in verse 5. says, for this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance and the kingdom of Christ and God. For this you know very well, that the morally out of bounds one, not merely the sexually out of bounds, though included, but also the one running afoul spiritually not having the proper and due regard for holy things, similar to Esau, worldly-minded, just as the before-mentioned lovers of worldly wisdom, science, science lovers, religious tradition lovers, as well as the money lovers, those that are governed by their bellies, their emotions and their own corrupt inclinations, consulting them instead of the Word of God, some being led by their belly, and some by denying their belly in some sort of supposed religious act of self-abasement, denying themselves what God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth, and also the impure one, the unclean one, the one who refuses the word. John 15:3. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. So if you haven't received it. 
you're not clean. 13.10 in John, Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you're clean, but not all. As well as the covetous one, the one eager to gain more than their allotted share, being equal to an idolater, transgressing the boundaries spiritually, sexually, scientifically, worldly, being led astray, brought to utter ruin, dying for lack of instruction, and the, in the greatness of his folly, go astray. You can read Proverbs 5, 15 to 23 sometime. See that picture of lust and covetousness. Spiritual adultery. But going astray, and henceforth having no inheritance, he does not store anything up. No treasure for a good foundation toward the future. The future kingdom of the Christ and God. The literal translation. An argument could be made here for the Granville Sharp Rule, but there's no need to argue because we have the rest of the scriptures that plainly declare the deity of Christ. But no inheritance nonetheless because of not taking hold what is life indeed. Again, this is eternal life that may, they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. To no inheritance by not knowing God, just as the lazy and wicked slave in Matthew 25. So verse 6, Ephesians 5, again a warning of deception. It says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So do not allow anyone to delude, cheat, and deceive you, just as Eve was. Don't let him deceive you in this regard with empty words, promising to be wise, but he who eats it only dies, I heard in a poem on Sunday. For you see it is because of these things that comes the wrath of God upon the sons of apathia, the apathetic, the unimpressed, the unpersuaded, unbelieving. John 3.36, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey, that's the one who disbelieving, the Son the one who doesn't believe the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides. It remains on him. Ephesians 5, 7, Therefore do not be partakers with them. Therefore stop being, or don't, be co-participants, partakers, unequally yoked or throwing in with, being a partner to, which is equal to supporting their unrighteous cause. Like it says in Second John, 9 to 11. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house. Do not even give him a greeting, for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. It's that cut and dry. It's that important because these ones are presenting another Jesus, a different Christ, a different teaching, and it's a counterfeit one. They don't abide in the teaching, but they hold to the precepts of men, those private, unsanctioned interpretations, instead of the Holy Word. Proverbs 18.1 says, He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Ephesians 5.8, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For we used to be at one time darkness, but 
Now we're light in the Lord. So we're to walk around that way. Have a lifestyle representative of that. First John 1 John 1.7 But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. First John 2, 5 and 6 again, But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we're in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. It's Ephesians 5, 9 and 10. So that's goodness, righteousness, truth. Discerning, testing, trying to figure out what is acceptable worship to the Lord? And well, we know that apart from basic faith, it's impossible to please Him. So there's a start. And that faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. Psalm 119.66, the psalmist cries out, Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. He knows that's the only place you can get it. Proverbs 2, 3. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you'll discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Ephesians 5, 11, Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. So again, stop and or do not go on participating or share share in or have fellowship with these fruitless works. Fruitless works of darkness, you can't grow fruit in the dark. Those fruitless things of which we are now ashamed of in Romans 6.21, the outcome of those things being death. No fruit at all. But rather, we're even to expose them with what? Of course, the light. Sound wisdom. Holding fast, Titus 1.9, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict, not necessarily with words, but by that light, that light lifestyle, that light style. John 3.19.21, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Ephesians 5.12, For it's disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. These things that are secretly done by them, they are disgraceful for even to be spoken of. Because in reality, it's gossip. And we need not even to defile our tongues or the air around us by repeating the matter. Speaking it. Painting a picture in another's mind that can't be erased and they didn't ask for it in the first place. Or perhaps another who hears it might have a proclivity for those things or whatever it might be. And now you put a stumbling block in a brother's way. So the less it's spoken of, the less it's heard. 
Proverbs 16, 27 through 30, a worthless man digs up evil while his words are like scorching fire. A perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. A man of violence entices a man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. He who winks his eyes does so to devise perverse things. He who compresses his lips brings evil to pass. Besides that, light has no fellowship with the darkness. The two are mutually exclusive. Ephesians 5, 13 and 14. But all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Everything becomes visible when it's exposed by the light. You see it for what it really is. You hold it up to the Word of God. Neither fails or passes. For this is the reason it says, Wake up, you sleeping one, and rise up out from the dead, and the Christ will shine upon you. Psalm 67, 1. God be gracious to us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Just like in Genesis 1, 2, says the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. The Holy Spirit of God moves over the believer, waking them up, thawing them out, warming and illuminating them with the word of light. The same could be said about the church, which is supposed to be the pillar and support of the truth. But if there's no word in it, if they're caught up in activities and everything else instead of the word, the Spirit's not there, and that church becomes frozen, formless, and void. But with the Spirit and the Word, again, it wakes it up, thaws it out, warms it up, illuminates it. Ephesians 5.15, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Therefore, we're to watch carefully with a keen eye, walking around with exact, walking circumspectly. Just as Timothy was instructed to keep the isolated Keep the word isolated and unmixed. We're to keep it as well, that same way for our preservation, as well as the church, spending our time not as unwise, but as truly wise. 5.16, making the most of your time because the days are evil. By buying up, by ransoming, and rescuing from loss the time. It's like going to church on a Tuesday evening to buy back the day even the evening, from utter loss. That's why it's so rec- so highly recommended to get the word first thing every morning upon waking be- before the day gets snatched away. You get the word first, and you've got what you need to profit greatly, to excel and overcome. Because if you're slack in the day of distress, your strength is indeed limited. In Proverbs 24.10. Because the days are upon a Ross evil. The type of evil that is hurtful and harmful and wishes to hurt and harm. In effect and influence. It wants to make an evil impact. It's not just relegated to one's own character. It actually wants to knock you down from your high position. It wants that to spread. 
Psalm 62, 4. They've counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly they curse. My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Ephesians 5.17 So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, because of these high stakes, we're not to be apart from knowledge, but we're to be diligent to gain that knowledge, to put it all together, to figure it out, to figure out what the will of the Lord is. And that is to be set apart. It's for our sanctification. Be a vessel of mercy fit for the Master's use to be filled to overflowing with the full assurance of understanding all the way to a true knowledge of God's mystery is Christ. In 5.18, not to get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So we're to stop, cease and desist from getting drunk with wine, for that is literally brokenness, unwholesome, unwholeness, Reckless abandon, broken in pieces, instead of being firmly whole. Filled with evil spirits instead of the Holy Spirit. Stumbling and spilling instead of stabilized and overflowing with gratitude and the Spirit. Ephesians 5.19 Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Speaking, not slurring, to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melodies with your heart to the Lord. Like Psalm 7.17 I will give thanks to the Lord according to His righteous righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Or Psalm 13.6 I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. Thirty verse 4 Sing praise to the Lord, you His godly ones, and give thanks to His holy name. Psalm 33, 1 and 2, Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praises becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Psalm 98, 1, O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him. Ephesians 5.20 Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So always for all things giving thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to the God and Father. He who is our peace, He is our access, and, and in His name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for your word which produces reverence and creates praise for you. Uh, and may this word help uh, those who hear it and may it be kept and treasured, storing up a, a good foundation towards the future, towards knowing you. Uh, Bless the offering. Thank you for all these things. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.